select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest today, QB guru, NFL Wire, Mark Schofield. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Will. Uh, great to be with you. Excited to dive into uh, what we saw. Always love a little Jets-Pats week. It's always fun. Um, wasn't the result. I know Jets fans were hoping for, but a lot of takeaways, both good and bad, about both teams, both young quarterbacks. So I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm excited. I was uh, and I was hoping. Obviously, yesterday was, um, you know, being at the game was frustrating, to say the least. The energy in the building is something I haven't really felt in a long time going to MetLife. It felt like, honestly, I'm biased. 85, 90 percent Jets fans, which for anyone that's been to a Jets game in the last decade, it, it, that doesn't happen often. Um, obviously, things got out of hand, you know, in terms of the quarterback play quickly. But um, you know, kind of wanted to just rewind a little bit going into the season and. Um, you know, overall, the Jets have obviously rebuilt the culture here or attempting to do so. Um, guys like Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, and, and Zach Wilson, that trio. What were your impressions kind of going into the season and, um, you know, of week one from like, the Jets' perspective of uh, how they're trying to <laughs> become a relevant franchise again? Right. And look, I, I say this. You can see the Patriots banners. You can see all the Patriots stuff. I am a Patriots guy. You can hear the Boston accent. I was very scared going into this year. And it's really not so much I was worried about the Jets, say, in 2021. Uh, I think most people would agree, Jets fans would kind of agree, that it's probably a one- to two-year process, not a we're going to turn this in around right away. I was very, very impressed, very excited with what they put together in terms of the players they added in free agency, the players they added via the draft. Obviously, Zach Wilson, yes, that's part of it, but Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round, like, I, I loved that move. I know a lot of people said, wait, you're – you're traded up in the first round for a guard. Yeah. To give Jack Wilson, Makai Becton, and Elijah Vera Tucker behind him, protected his blind side for the next 10 years. Like, that's what you want. You know, it was a great moment by Douglas and, and Salah to say, look, he played behind a good offensive line at BYU. We want to try to duplicate that. Elijah Moore is a fantastic receiver. And, you know, he was held a little bit in check yesterday, did have the big play on the rub concept, but he's a fantastic receiver who's going to be a go-to for Zach Wilson for years. I liked Michael Carter out of UNC. And so I think you put this together. I loved so much of what they did this offseason, so much of what they did coming into this year. They are set up to be a very good team sooner rather than later. It's not going to be a four-year, five-year rebuild. Now, obviously, a big part of that is, as you know, getting Zach Wilson comfortable, getting him to be successful, getting him to be efficient. And so a lot of what we saw against Carolina was very good. So what we saw yesterday against the Patriots, not as good, but there were still some moments. But I think overall, as a Jets fan, you should be excited about the future of this team. As a guy with a Patriots banner hanging over my shoulder, I'm kind of nervous about what I'm seeing, you know, a little bit down south, down 95, because the Jets are in position to be very good. they got the injuries to deal with, and Mekhi Becton's down now, and so that's a lot to overcome. But I think this Jets team is set up for a nice run here in the future. Yeah, it's interesting. The division as a whole, obviously the four young quarterbacks, Josh Allen being a veteran at 25, which is right. crazy to think. And um, going into the year, I felt, I'm not as high still on Mac and we'll get into this a little bit. It's not that I'm down on Mac. I just, I don't know how much is there's, I think the upside's a lot more to do with the organizational structure and Belichick and Josh than it is physically him. Um, 
if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm kind of worried about the fact that in a pretty much a must-win game in terms of the way that they've gotten beaten up by the Bills, uh, Josh Allen took and doesn't even look MVP level Josh Allen, and they win by 35 points and two asserts for the 500th time already. Yeah. Um, those things are concerning, but I felt like the Jets and Patriots, from a perspective of this offseason of getting better, I thought both teams got significantly better. And that's why I was really excited for yesterday um, as a whole, because the Jets maybe, you know, I thought six points in the beginning was a little generous towards the Pats in terms of that means like they probably were 10 to 12 point favorites at home. And I felt like, you know, they were all in one team as well and um, had their struggles week one. But you see, the Jets play overall and the Patriots both and they matched up pretty well I thought across the board outside of the quarterback yesterday and going into the game I thought the Jets had an advantage there obviously they did not as the way it played out I thought coaching was a huge advantage for New England how much do you think you know watching it yesterday was was Bill just kind of going we're going to run a lot of cover eight stuff we're going to let him we're going to kind of sit back and rush with four and be like find one the open guy and make him make mistakes because I felt like Carolina was the direct opposite and when the ghost game it was all like zero coverage we're gonna blitz eight nine guys and make Sam get flustered yeah I mean I think there's a lot of truth to that I mean I watched it rewatching it you know they were they took the mind the Patriots said that we're gonna make him make some reads we're gonna make him make some reads and some throws and there's there's always this idea right and we've seen it play out now over two weeks where did you pressure a rookie quarterback and try to like accelerate his clock make him make quick reads and quick decisions and, and try to pressure him or do you drop off and try to make him make reads and work through stuff and rotate coverages and things like that there are pluses and minuses to both sometimes i'm of the mind that if you just blitz a rookie quarterback okay i'll throw my hot i'll throw my check down i'll i'll take my deep shot like whatever you're almost making it easier for him i, I think sometimes like we saw yesterday when you you know maybe you mug maybe you show some pressure looks but you drop seven you drop eight like you said now it's like okay well i gotta go through reads here i gotta try to challenge some tough windows i gotta try to force some throws i mean on the, on the first interception it's a situation where you know they only rush four on that play i mean and bentley comes late from the second level and he's got a free shot Alan, I mean, Wilson tries to make a throw and it gets tipped, deflected, knocked around and intercepted. So I, I think it's it's the first two weeks are sort of a, kind of a, a good introduction to life in the NFL for Zach Wilson, right? Because you're getting two different sorts of philosophies and schools of thought of attacking a young quarterback, pressure week one, some coverage looks week two. Now we've seen them both. And so now the issue is, okay, LaFleur, Sala, coaching staff, Wilson, you've seen the two ways. Let's figure it out, sort of catch your breath now and go forward. In many ways, you could look back at this if Wilson goes on and has a really good year to say these first two weeks really showed him what he needed to do, what he needed to work on and put him in position to be successful going forward. Yeah, so well, I guess we'll get into the interceptions because those, the, those are the big talking points, as they honestly should be. Obviously, it's frustrating in person. First one, like you mentioned, I felt like, you know, I know Zach Wilson mentioned the communication on the fourth interception. I actually thought the mis there was a little bit of miscommunication between him and Corey Davis. I thought he should have sat in the hole there. I think Zach Wilson thought he was going to. It was still a stupid throw, if we're being honest. Like, I just still don't think he needed to do that. Um, that said, I saw the thinking. The second one, I, I saw the thinking as well. Davis got to catch that ball, but Wilson, just take take the flat. You have Elijah Moore right in front of your face. No need to be a hero there. The third one, I genuinely don't understand why you throw that route to begin with on the sale concept that like that and like you underthrow it by three or four yards and you challenge the Patriots best cover guy with Gilmore out. And then the fourth one, I mean, was basically a punt, but just like that was one of the ugly interceptions you'll see all year. Did any of those ones concern you or, or vice versa, any of them, you know, you kind of overlook and say that's just a rookie mistake. Cause I feel like, the, like I said, three and four stand out to me as like 
each a little bit more yeah. than one and two. Yeah, well, I'm with you. Three and four kind of stand out. I was like, especially three. I mean, he's trying to throw that like out route, that sale route to Elijah Moore. I understand why theoretically he might want to try to do that, right? Balls on left hash. You've got field to work with. It's a cover one man coverage scheme. You've got a lot of space to try to throw that. He's trying to get it over JC Jackson, who's kind of a trail technique underneath him. He's just got to make a better throw. Like if you're going to throw that, you got to make a better throw. You got to put it in a position where either more gets it or it drops incomplete or even sails out of bounds. Like you can't leave that one short. It's like, you know, playing golf with your buddies, leaving a birdie putt short. Like, no, 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 you don't, you don't want to do that. That's what he did here. You know, the fourth one I'm with you, Will, I, I don't like, maybe it was just an arm punt kind of situation because I you couldn't even tell where he was throwing. That seemed kind of wildly off target. I think that, you know, at that point in the game, you're down, things are going away from you. It's still early third quarter, but you're down 10. Maybe you're just trying to make something happy in second and 28. But he throws it late. And again, he, he's trying to throw his route to the sideline, but he leaves it almost to the bottom of the numbers. Like your, your guys on the sideline, he really leaves that inside. So it, it's just a poor throw, poor decision. The first two, you know, the, the, the first one to Davis, I think you're right about a little miscommunication. Post safety is playing deep. I think Wilson is sort of expecting to sit down Jackson's on the hip again, sort of that trail technique, and he's able to make a play on it. And then the one to Davis, that second interception, take the flat route, like you said. The flat route's there. It's open. Just take that, you know, the old phrase, you never go broke, taking a profit. Davis could have ca- caught it, sure. But I think in that situation, just just get yourself in rhythm, take that throw, move on to the next snap. Like, he tried to do too much there. It didn't cost him. And, and something that's been kind of debated on, on Jeff's Twitter and, and around kind of the, the talking head community is a lot of, you know, where you place blame on these type of days. Obviously, a lot of the stuff with the seeing ghost stuff was all placed on Sam. But in reality, if someone's seeing ghost, it means they're not prepared. It means that's an indictment of the coaching staff. And obviously, that's a whole, that's two years ago. We don't have to keep going on about it. But I, like an idiot yesterday, sitting in the parking lot before the game, go, I will never see that again. And then, you know, two hours later, right, or right. two hours later, sitting in four hours of traffic going home. Um, you know, the coat, the play calling, I, I actually liked what LaFleur did early in the game. I, I thought they didn't get a lot, exactly a lot of easy throws, but at the same time, there was no chance to get in rhythm because the first three or four attempts, the one drive I really liked was, um, they get, get a field goal, they get stopped on third and down. Um, they run the ball three straight times. I didn't love the third down play call, but they had the rub concept to more. They ran the ball really effectively. I thought the Jets running game, you know, for all the criticism, the line took, you know, Wilson, a couple of sacks were on him and covered sacks and then they ran the ball well, but how much, you know, kind of learning is there from the offensive coordinator perspective, um, you know, for the floor, because I feel like he's taken some kind of shots. I know offensive coordinator is the most shameless job in yep. football because you get crushed every time, no matter what. Um, how much blame kind of goes there for the first two weeks of the slow starts and, and turnovers, or is it a lot of just like, again, rookie rookies working through stuff like Zach Wilson has been? You know, I mean, I, I think, of course, there's some blame for both coordinator and, and quarterback. I mean, Wilson's got to make some better throws, as we talked about. We walked through those interceptions. I, I think, you know, LaFleur could do a better job of sort of getting him some easier throws off the bat. Like, that first interception, you know, a dig route, middle of the field, like, is that really the sort of route concept you're going to dial up to get your young quarterback in rhythm? Like, I, if they had come out and the first interception was on that boot action flood look, like, okay, like, that's what you want to yeah, do. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that like an easy pass. You know, and Wilson just made a poor decision. And again, the throw could have been caught. I think going to that made sense. I would have liked to have seen that earlier. The rub concept to more, I, you know, do stuff like that. Like, you know, LaFleur's job is to put Wilson to 
be in a position to be successful. Give him some easy reads, some easy throws, more of that outside the pocket boot action stuff. Those flood concepts. Those are really nice, familiar territory for Wilson. That's what he was doing at BYU. The rub concept I think was great, but yeah, I mean, first play dig route over the middle into the teeth of the defense. Like that, that's, you know, that's a heavy lift. That's a heavy lift for any quarterback, uh, let alone a guy making his second start. So, you know, I think that, you know, quarterback can play better, but LaFleur needs to do a good job as well of scripting the first 10, putting him in a position to be successful, giving him some of those easy read, easy throws, half field reads, the stuff that gets a quarterback into rhythm. Don't ask him to do a ton out of the gate. I, I think that's something they can improve upon as a coaching staff. Yeah, it's something that uh, I noticed as well. Um, that's the one thing that I think has bothered me the most of the first two weeks, and it's not a, a major criticism. I think it's a new staff working through a new personality. They've had a million injuries, as you know, the Jets always do. It seems like right. um, they change the whole training staff in the first two weeks of camp. No one gets hurt, then all of a sudden, it's been a mess. But I don't love the amount of twelve personnel and almost thirteen personnel they're running at times. It just doesn't seem like it fits the roster. I know the scheme, the Shanahan scheme. You know, you'd love to have a George Kittle or you know a Darren Waller, all those type of guys, and you'd love to have. Um, you know, an elite level fullback and things. But I, I felt like there was a lot of under center Ryan Griffin and Tyler Croft stuff that I was like, that's kind of just benefiting the Patriots that they're down, they're down corner and they're down Kyle Van Noy. And you've got a good amount of weapons for once. The Jets actually seem to have improved a ton in terms of the Elijah Moore and Corey Davis of the world, but even a Keelan Cole or Braxton Barris who Braxton Barris leading the team in targets and, and yards and receptions is, is nice for him, but I don't think that's the way they would probably envision the season going. Right. Maybe they did. I don't know. But um, I just feel like Wilson's going to thrive better out of shotgun, especially that's more familiar territory to him. It felt like he got in a little bit more of a rhythm there. Um, do you see any, like, do you think, do you kind of see the same thing for as me? I just feel like spread the, spread the Patriots out and give him some clean, easy looks, those speed outs, the slant routes, yep. things like that, instead of, seven step drop play action with two tight ends who aren't really receiving threats. Themselves. Yeah. I mean, I'm right with you there on that. Well, I mean, you, you look at the way this roster is constructed right now with Tyler Croft, Ryan Griffin, like are, are those guys you want taking snaps away and opportunities away from a guy like Elijah Moore. I mean, even a guy like Braxton Barrios, like you said, like you don't want Braxton Barrios to really be your go-to guy, but him against CB three is probably a better matchup than these tight ends against, you know, an Adrian Phillips or, you know, a, even a Devin McCourty at safety or Kyle Duggard. So I think they could have done a better job at sort of personnel usage yesterday and going forward, you know, and in terms of then how you use those guys, you know, not let the Bengals are a model of offensive excellence, what we saw last year with Joe Burrow, right? Part of it was because they couldn't protect it, but you also spread it out, give them some easy looks, those half field reads where you've got your man beater to one side, your zone beater to the other. And Wilson doesn't have to dive into the, Oh, is it stubby? Is it stomp? Is it cut? Whatever coverage is it just it's zone. Here's where I'm going. Here's where my eyes are. These are what my reads will be. It's man. Okay. Here's my man beater. This is the matchup I want to throw if it is indeed man coverage. Like you can simplify things for the quarterback. You can simplify the reads for the quarterback and you can also attack the defense and spread them sideline to sideline. So I think going forward, I'll be very curious. Well, if they do more of that, if they do more 11 personnel, spread stuff out, get them in the gun, get them fluid. Obviously you don't want it to end the way it did for Burrow last year. We don't want that, but it's an opportunity to get Burrow Wilson. yesterday. Or Boro yesterday, yeah, you don't want that either, right? Well, um, but it's a way to get Wilson in rhythm, spread the defense out, pick matchups you like, and simplify things for the QB. Yeah, so I, I can I couldn't agree more, and I will we'll see how they adjust. This week's going to be difficult in Denver, um, and obviously I'll preview that on, on Friday. But 
Um, you know, I think the offense can start to take off a little bit against Tennessee and Atlanta, although Tennessee is a good football team defensively. They struggle to say the yes, least. They it's, do. it's not, it's yes, not pretty. Um, one again, the other side of the ball, Mac Jones, obviously, um, I guess it sounds like I hate on Mac Jones and I actually don't, I think it's a compliment, but at the same time, I, I feel like the praise is a lot of people wanting to find the Tom Brady storyline and, and yeah. Uh, I think he's been a very solid game manager. I think he's had like that, that that's a weird example, but I thought about this. Uh, Andy Dalton Bengals years where he was really good. He did exactly. He was asked the playoffs obviously didn't go well, but it was a really talented team, really well coached um, as much people want to give Marvin Lewis crap. He was, you don't coach in the NFL 15 years, right. the same organization if you're not going to do your job. So where do you, where do you kind of stand with Mac so far? I mean, it's two games in, um, He's, he's had some moments. I felt like, I feel like yesterday just wasn't really asked to do much. His, his chart, his chart, his next gen chart was kind of just like yeah. a lot of his <laughs> next gen chart, chart. Yeah. His next gen chart looked like mine. I mean, it, it just wasn't great at all. I mean, it was everything near the line of scrimmage, but you're right. He wasn't asked to do a ton. I mean, there were a couple of moments I was just rewatching that game. You know, he had some opportunities maybe to push the ball a bit downfield, but you're up 10, three, you're up, you know, two scores. There's no real need to do that. You know, maybe if it's a one score game or it's late or something like that, you'd like to see him take some of those chances. But, you know, he didn't need to and he didn't do that. Like you said, the, the game manager, that's what they that's what they want him to be. That's all they want him to be this year. Obviously, he's going to need to grow beyond that if he's going to stick around and be the kind of quarterback that will elicit those Brady comparisons, which are years, years, years down the road. People it's week two, like calm down. Um, but that's what they need from him right now. This is a team that's going to win. Very much similar to the model of the first Tom Brady years, right? They're going to win with defense. They're going to win with ball control. They're going to run the football when they can, involve the tight ends, get the backs involved out of the backfield. And this is also two weeks where you've gone up against a very good Dolphins secondary. And these corners for the Jets played really well. Like watching that game, there weren't a ton of opportunities where it's like guys are running open. These, these corners played really well, these young corners for the Jets. And so he took – backs out of the backfield tight ends against those linebackers like he, he did a good job like you said sort of managing the game average depth of target will have to come up at some point you can't win consistently in the nfl with an a dot of like 4.0 or whatever it was yesterday but i think for what they're asking him to do he's done it well but now we got to see him move beyond that yeah it's interesting you mentioned the jets young corners i actually i thought coming into the year and i think everyone kind of felt this way it was like even with carl austin down and Vinny curry down the Jets D-line, John Franklin Myers is, you know, I hope the Jets extend to him. And I, I, you know, I think that's something that they need to, you know, work on us. I mean, obviously the Quentin Williams as well, but to continue to build up an edge presence and that Robert Sala defense is so important. I felt like CJ Mosley did a really good job. He looked so much better. He was fine in week one, but last, it was like, all right, CJ Mosley's back. Yeah. Dante Hightower, I know you tweeted a couple clips out earlier. Yeah. I felt the same way about him. I, I talked with Doug Kite on, on the preview pod. We were both like the first week, these guys both haven't played football in two years um, and they looked like it and I, their grading is going to be a lot better for this week. Um, no, I, I totally agree with you on Mac. I just think that that's what they want out of him. It's offenses. The roster is built like that. It's tight end heavy, running back heavy. The offensive line's really good. The coaching yeah. staff obviously knows, <laughs> knows how to win that way. They've done, yeah. they've won multiple Super Bowls that way. I'm not saying the Patriots are ready to win a Super Bowl yet, um, but at the same time they're in, they're a team that, you know, has high expectations. Where do you, where are your expectations kind of lie for New England going forward the rest of the year? I feel like Miami's not quite as good. Yeah. Um, I as mean, I thought 
Miami and the questions with, you know, the quarterback position now, because like you mentioned is down yet again, that sort of opened the door to things. I always, I even thought coming into this year that like, you know, you've got two really good teams in Miami and obviously the Buffalo Bills, as I mentioned earlier, the Jets were going to be tough this year, even if they're aren't making a playoff run because of the additions that they made. Now injuries have certainly played a role there with, you know, Lawson going down and now Becton going down, like that's, you know, going to take its toll. But I still thought that like New England should like contend for a wild card spot. I wasn't somebody that coming into this year was like, oh yeah, they'll be fine. They'll contend for the division. They're back. Like, let's go. Woo-hoo. It's it's gonna take some time in New England too. You've got a rookie quarterback, even though they've made all these investments. And I like that's where my expectations still lie for the most part. Well, um, now look, you've got two non-conference games now. You've got the Saints this week, you've got the big one in week four, the, the Sunday nighter with Tom Brady coming home, and that's gonna be a circus. Um you know, but we, we, we see what, what interested me the most about this game. I think, well, I know going into this game, I, I talked about it with some other people who was going to handle Corey Davis, right? How are they going to play the matchups in the secondary? And you thought, well, maybe it'd just be JC Jackson and Corey Davis, or maybe it's going to be a Jalen Mills with safety help of Corey Davis. Belichick rotated it at something. You saw Jonathan Jones at times. You saw Jawan Williams at times. Jalen Mills at times, JC Jackson at times. And it does give you the feeling that Belichick's still trying to figure out what they've got. He's been known to do that. He takes first couple of weeks of the season as an extended training camp. That's kind of playing out, I think, a little bit. So I don't think we quite know what this Patriots team is going to be, but I still think the expectations are contend for a playoff spot, get Mac Jones some experience. Maybe you sneak into the playoffs and steal a game. I'm not ready. I mean, look around this AFC. I mean, did you have the Raiders and the Broncos as the two undefeated teams after week two? Because I sure did it well. And if you did, man, I hope you cashed that ticket today because that's a heck of a bet. This AFC looks tough. I mean, Baltimore played well Monday night. Kansas City's going to be good. If Josh Allen gets back to form, they're obviously going to be good in Buffalo. The Raiders and the Broncos are winning. Cleveland won again. It's going to be a tough conference. Whoever comes out of the conference in the AFC will have earned their Super Bowl berth. So I can't sit here and say, yeah, look how those, those teams are playing, but the Patriots will be in the mix of it. They contend for a playoff spot, sneaking in as a wild card. I think that should be considered a success. Yeah, no, I mean, the AFC is, uh, it's been pretty, like, it's, I'm the, going into the season, I thought it was the NFC West and the AFC kind of type yeah. of thing. And yeah. um, it's kind of played out that way, obviously. Um, you know, even you look at Tennessee, who got boat raced week one, goes in into Seattle and wins a game. Um, yep. If if Zach Wilson and a couple of other rookies don't play badly yesterday, we're probably talking a lot more about that Russell Wilson safety, which was which was should have been safety, which it is one of, the, safety. One, of, one of the stupidest things I've seen. Titans got that. hosed on two different they plays, got, they got between that and, just, and the Julio one. I'm just I was just looking at him thinking to myself like Russ is at home and I don't know what he was whatever that's a whole other discussion obviously but um yeah no I was going to ask you a little bit about just some of the uh, the surprise teams do you feel like in terms of the Raiders um Raiders and Broncos they're overachieving because I feel like the Broncos starting 2 and 0 I guess isn't what's surprising me it's the fact that the offense actually has looked pretty good and I thought it was going to be the other way around like they beat the Giants 10 to 3 not you know, uh, you know, no Jerry Judy as well. And then the Raiders, I mean, for the Raiders in the years past, this is talked about all week. It was like, oh, they always win this, that Ravens game. They win that like last year against the Chiefs week five, a big win. And then just an absolute collapse and to go into Pittsburgh, all, although I think Big Ben's cooked and it's a huge issue. Yeah. Um, overall, are you, are you surprised with, with Denver and Vegas? Cause I feel like those teams could sneak in now to be wild card teams with the Chargers. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I'm kind of pleasantly surprised with both. I'm not ready to like fully buy in yet. Um, I, I do think that the question with Denver was, are you going to get like consistency for the quarterback position? That's all you need, right? Because you got a good defense. You've got weapons around the quarterback. And we've seen that through two weeks with Teddy playing pretty well. The Raiders, I think, are kind of impressive because of the way they've gone about it, particularly yesterday against the Steelers, some explosive plays downfield. You know, what they did against Ben Roethlisberger, I think, like you said, like Ben's got some issues that – we need to really sort of keep an eye on here because that was the thing last year. They won what 10 straight, but you could tell the cliff was coming with that team, with that offense. Maybe the cliff's a little closer to us right now. We'll see, but look, you start two and oh, right. That's a great start for both of those teams. Um, I'm very curious to see how those guys look going forward, but with Teddy playing well and not making mistakes, Denver could be a really tough team. You know, if they keep that going, um, Obviously, look, the Raiders are the Raiders. Maybe look, this is the year they'll win two games like this, but then they'll have the epic collapse of week three and week four. We say, well, we saw this coming. The, the Broncos kind of really scare me, though, because that could be a good team as long as the quarterback doesn't make mistakes, and that's what we've seen through two weeks. Yeah, it's they're, uh, the Raiders are weird just because I think Gruden's such an exceptional play caller and is not great at being a GM or yep. maintaining relationships, so it's right. very frustrating because you watch – you know, oh, they run the field goal team out in week one for no reason, but then he calls an absolute genius play knowing they're going to go full out, cover zero, and yeah. just, whatever. So it's just like you watch that stuff, and you're like, where is this consistency ever? Right. Um, just want to hand in a couple quick things, you know, before uh, before we wrap up here. Last night, Mahomes, Lamar, you know, it's the usual matchup. It kind yeah. of looked like it was going to be pretty ugly early. Um for Lamar and Quincy, you know, who's, you know, who's going to come up after this was mentioned this. He's like, it's frustrating watching Lamar because the first two interceptions are just, I know Watkins slips, but it's a stupid interception. And the second one was awful. It was one of the worst ones of the day. There's yep. no way that ball is ever getting completed, let alone, <laughs> let alone not even seeing the triple coverage. And then you see the rest of the game and it's like, it's, you knew you were going to get that fourth down. There was no way that they weren't, the Chiefs aren't stopping that. And it was just like, <laughs> it was just the whole thing kind of lined up. The second half went exactly how you wouldn't think it would go. Um, do you really do you consider Baltimore with all the injuries up there and, and Lamar? You know, he's had some turnover problems, but they have, should have won both games. So uh, where are you kind of yeah, saying with the Ravens? I mean, I, I'm still a believer in Lamar. Uh, like Quincy, though, like he does make some throws, which allows the timeline to just say, see, I told you, like he, he's not good enough. But to win that game, and I think what's important about that win, one of the sort of criticisms of Lamar is, oh, well, he's fine if they have the lead or if it's a one-score game, but they get down by two scores and he has to become one-dimensional, they can't win. They came down back from 11 points down twice in that game. And, you know, they stick with what they did. They ran the ball effectively. They ran Lamar. He hit some plays in the passing game. It's hard to count them out, even with the injuries they have, the toll that that's taken on both sides of the ball to win that game, because we all know the dreaded 0-2 start, right? You go 0-2, especially this year in the AFC, you're probably not making the playoffs. To win, have that win at home, you know, the tough week, the short turnaround, the injuries against Patrick Mahomes, that's huge. And Odafe Owe, early statement case, I think, for rookie of the defensive rookie of the year, right? That forced fumble and recovery, huge play. So I'm, I'm still aboard the Lamar train. I love watching him. There, there will be some bad mistakes. I mean, that I understand why he threw that crosser to the too high look, but you got to do something to like move Matha, who just read his eyes and jumped it. Like, you know, I understand why he threw it, but it was a great defensive play. I'm, I'm not out on Lamar yet. They're fun to watch. I think they're going to be dangerous. I think they can overcome these injuries, but you know, if they do, 
that would be one heck of a story, man. One heck of a season from them if they're able to do that. Yeah, I just wanted to – we'll just hit on a couple uh, – rattle a couple of other things off that's obviously stood out through the first couple of weeks. The Giants are a mess. Um, I feel like they're the Jets last year without the optimism of, you know, like the draft picks incoming and the cap space right. and all this stuff. And I don't know what to make of the Giants, though, because I feel like they have so much talent on defense and so much talent on at the skill positions. I, I'm not going to – I don't want to get into Saquon. It's – kind of hard to watch him right now just knowing that like how explosive he should be yeah. and he's a running back and I thought the pick was stupid but I still wa- I love watching the guy play football he's whatever and he just looks like not healthy right. um what do the Giants do with Daniel Jones because like I know he plays well he plays pretty well Thursday night but then it's like they're still 0-2 and they have the worst record in football in the last five years and he's got the most turnovers yeah, I mean, what is he at 40 turnovers or something? I don't know, something crazy in the last two years. It's it's frustrating because you can see moments well where it's like the lights coming on for him, he's making anticipation throws, but then you know, you look at the end of that Denver game, he has the fumble, he's ball control issues. You look at that Washington game, and you know, you missed the, the, the shot play to Slayton. And yeah, maybe Slayton could have caught that, but he's wide open. You'd like to see a quarterback put it on him. You know, it feels like even the like small like improvements to his game get overshadowed by mistakes and missed opportunities. You know, New York's going to be in a tough position because you're going to make a decision on this kid now. Like, and you know, maybe the next quarterback class gets a little bit better as fall turns into winter. You know, there's some guys there: Carson Strong, Spencer Rattler, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett that are playing really well right now. Matt Corral. But they're going to face a tough decision there. Do they move on from Daniel Jones or not? We're going to see one of these teams not give the guy the second deal, right? Like, you know, it could be the Giants, you know, like sort of like the Jets did, right? Where they just said, look, we're going to, we're going to move on. And, you know, maybe the Giants do that too. And obviously, look, if this season continues down this road for the Giants, Gettleman's probably first out the door and Jones was his pick. I don't think a new GM is going to walk into that and go exactly with the way George Payton did and say, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with Drew Locke and sign a veteran. A new GM might come in and say, I want Matt Corral or I want Spencer Rattler or whoever. So they've got to turn things around in a hurry. The, but the talent is there. The talent's there on both sides of the ball. I'd like to see them stick more vertical in the passing game. I think that's where Jones is at his best, but they got to turn this around in a hurry. Yeah, Jason Garrett's uh, been a puzzling offensive coordinator hire uh, to yeah. me. I just feel like the offense is kind of stuck in the Romo days, the early, yeah. early Romo days. And it's, I, I don't know, it's, it's frustrating to watch. Um, there I saw a tweet that came across the timeline that said uh, the Jets should draft Spencer Rattler so he throws five picks next year against the Patriots, which was funny yet incredibly frustrating to, yeah. to, uh, to read. Last two, last two quick things here. Um, I know Jets fans don't want to hear about positive Sam stuff, but I thought that was so yesterday was one of the better Sam games. He still had two or three moments where you're like, what are you doing? And he, the same thing against the Jets. It's just he has yeah. two or three moments a game where it's either they get picked or they don't, and it's kind of determining on that. But he actually pushed the ball in that like 10 to 20 yard range a lot yesterday, which was it wasn't dump offs like it was against the Jets. Um, how serious do you think Carolina is? Because they've got a lot of top end talent. You know, I think of the Derek Brown, Brian Burns, J.C. Horn, Jeremy Ch- Like, it's a lot of dudes. It's on Riddick's yeah. on pace for 30 sacks or something crazy. Um, and offensively, they've got a ton of weapons. The O-line is concerning. Do you kind of feel like if Sam continues to play well, it makes them real? Or is it just like it's all going to be like they're probably still a 7-9 win team and that's kind of the ceiling? 
I, I'm starting to buy in, Will. I mean, you, you look at the talent and the youth on that defensive side of the ball with Burns, with Chin, with the guy, the way they can get after passers. You know, that's what the recipe in today's NFL, get pressure, force mistakes. Offensively, you know the weapons. I, I'm a huge fan of Joe Brady. He, he puts quarterbacks in a position to be successful, does some of the things we talked about that maybe the Jets could do with Wilson, those half-field reads going empty at times. Donald's going to avoid those boneheaded moments because he had one yesterday where the pockets collapse and he kind of like flips the ball and it's just like and i literally will i I literally just got done writing a piece that went up on touchdown wire like yeah sam donald's looking great through like six quarters like he's looking fantastic the chest chest pass the defensive yeah and then he does that my phone starts melting down i'm like oh my god sam really um he's got to avoid those moments because with that defense with these weapons you don't need to have moments like that like just take a sack you're up 17 nothing just take the sack and pump the football. Like you don't need to do that. It's not like two minutes left and it's a 10, you're down 10 points and you need to make a play. Like, and if he cuts down on moments like that, this team could be for real. Yeah. They're, they're an interesting one just because I feel like people went into that Jets game going, Oh, Jets, you know, Jets Panthers kind of a toss up and looking at it through two weeks, like the Panthers just smoked New Orleans. I know New Orleans had a bunch of stuff going on, but um, you know, it's kind of a roller coaster. It's going to be a roller coaster with Jameis all year. Yeah. Wanda, quick highlight a funny moment of the week was the Texans going declining a penalty oh my goodness fourth and two the stupidest thing you've seen in a football field on time next to some of my throws yeah absolutely absolutely like to recap third and 15 defense drops off sides you complete a pass it gets stopped short like you could accept the penalty and it's third and ten or you could decline a penalty it's fourth and two you're in opponent territory you can go for it on fourth and two they accept the penalty for fourth and two and then punt the football away. Like, and uh, Derek, um, I think his name's Rivers McCown, who covers the Houston Texans, does a great job. He had the David Culley post game quote, who said that we felt really good about the field position and that decision. It's just like you could have still punted if you didn't get it on third and 10, or, or if it's fourth and two, like you have an opportunity to convert that. You're right. Well, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. I don't get it at all. It's, it was, it was pausing to say the least, um, you know, obviously just to recap yesterday was, um, you know, it was obviously frustrating as a Jets fan, but you have to just take these moments and know it was week two. It was not on prime time, luckily. Um, so yep. the first really bad Jets moment I can remember that didn't magically end up on prime time. Still don't understand how, uh, you know, butt fumble and, uh, oh God, and the ghost, and the ghost. And the ghost yeah. and all, uh, you know, ended up, it was the first time a, a Jets rookie quarterbacks lost to Belichick at home. In, in a while so somehow that's the two wins where it's Gino or whatever and uh yeah yeah so I don't know we'll, we'll see what kind of what happens there last thing I wanted to quickly uh ask you on before we let you go the cam uh cam stuff and do you see any like can, where do you see cam ending up this year do you think he plays or because I feel like Washington was the only team that kind of stood out to me maybe on Miami now I don't know if, if maybe Miami now out. I mean you know I thought Washington was going to be sort of the easy one right because you get Scott Turner you get Ron Rivera there's obviously a familiarity there you know Cam talked about how Scott Turner was like one of the first offensive coordinators that like really helped him sort of understand playbooks and concepts so you would have thought that would have been a perfect spot for him you get Fitzpatrick down but we haven't seen it, you know, and then we see Taylor Haneke play pretty well on Thursday. And I don't think Haneke's like a long-term answer, but he could sort of get them back to when, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is healthy and ready to go from the hip injury. You know, maybe Miami if Tua gets shelved for the season, you know, Miami again, good roster. They were a quarterback away last year. Is Jacoby Brissett going to be the answer if they're having to be a quarterback away again this year with Tua down? I don't know. So maybe Miami, maybe Houston, you know, if Tyrod is out for an extended period of time, 
Davis Mills Thursday night Dave football, friends. Sam versus Davis Mills. What Goodness a matchup. Gracious. <laughs> we got football back, man. When we're all huddled around watching that game as a family on the timeline, that's when you know we have a sickness it's, for this sport. We've had some fantastic uh, early season prime I know, matchups. right? This is not uh, – this one stands out as not looking to be pretty because Kansas City – Baltimore is awesome. Vegas, Baltimore is awesome. Um, I don't even, know the yeah, even the Washington Giants. Even the Washington Giants team comes down to last entertaining, play. Yeah, I'm not even sure he was offsides, but that's a. I don't want to get people pissed off about that uh, one. It looked like it looked like that he might have been. Like, that was the, a refs, the refs have been bad. Oh, the last yeah. thing. Sorry, I don't know where I'm from here. Why below that? You thought it was a fumble early in the game yesterday, or, or would you have blown that down? I feel like the refs have just been inserting themselves in games they've, where they've like really been sticking themselves been in. Brutal. I mean, the taunted, the taunted stuff, stuff some yeah. of the other calls, like. Let stuff happen. Like we've got the ability to sort things out. Like let the plays go. We can sort things out after the fact, especially potential turnover plays. Like that's what I thought they were supposed to do. Like let it go and then review it because it'll be an automatic turn. Yeah. It's the whole point. It's like it's it's VAR and soccer for those who watch. Like yeah. Let the play they're supposed to let the play play out because you can always go back and change yep. it. Um, I just don't understand why people like it's not your job to get involved like that. It's no, frustrating. We're not paying Will's not paying all this money to go to MetLife to watch officials. That's no, what, that's not I, what I am certainly not doing that. Um, no, we appreciate having you know you coming on. Obviously, make sure you follow Mark on Twitter. Um, check out the you know the wire stuff as well. I it's he does a fantastic job. I'm not just saying that, like I, I really enjoy yes, you're smarter when you read his stuff and um Twitter, read it, watch it, however you want to consume it, YouTube as well. So um, I obviously appreciate having you on. And well, next time uh, we'll have you on, well, hopefully it's better close and stuff to talk about. I look forward to that, man. Maybe next time the Jets and the Pats get together, Wilson has a good game. Either way, you know where to find me, buddy. Appreciate yeah, it. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, man. Winning season returns at MyBookie, and it's time to get in on the action. First-time players can get started by doubling your first deposit, giving you the firepower to add excitement to the games you love. College football odds boost, NFL locks this season, and over $500,000 in contest prizes live on site to make winning season your best one ever with MyBookie. Win an historic, with a historic 18-week uh, NFL schedule, more action than ever. Uh, more, there's more action than ever before. You need a sportsbook casino that's reliable and that you won't find a better place than my bookie. I know you're going to bet this season, like I have a little bit, and I've definitely lost a little bit already. So do the smart thing. Sign up with my bookie and use our promo code TOJ to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. That's extra money created to your account instantly. Just use the promo code TOJ and making your first deposit. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. We'll get back to this interview with Doug Kide right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPileVin on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest today, Quincy Avery at Quincy underscore Avery on Twitter. Quincy, how you doing today? Oh, man, I'm hanging in there. How are you? Um, uh, I'm good. We were just kind of talking off air. You know, yesterday was uh, was a little rough with uh, the way Zach Wilson performed. There's a lot of expectations. So, um, you know, not doing too bad, but, uh, you know, almost week two in the books of the NFL season, obviously, college, you know, well underway. And, uh, as a quarterback expert, quarterback coach yourself, we got we've seen some really good performances uh, from guys, and we've seen some kind of mind blowing and mind boggling performances. Anything stood out to you so far? You know, two weeks in the NFL season from my uh, either team or just a, you know specific uh, quarterback perspective. You know, it was really interesting watching Lamar Jackson last night, and and the thing about Lamar that's so intriguing to me is that he has every like physical capability to be the best quarterback like in the world by far with the things that he can do um both with his legs and with his arms with his arm and it's just 
it's unique to me because sometimes I get frustrated watching Lamar. Like, I'm like, you shouldn't miss that throw. And the reason that he misses throws that are really routine or are really throws that he should make as a as an NFL elite NFL quarterback is just because he doesn't discipline himself enough to match his eyes and his feet together, work the regressions, and get to some of those completions. But then he also does things that nobody else in the world can do at any level. Like they're going QB run on third and six in the red zone. And that's not something that any other team would ask their quarterback to do or put him in a position to do. So it's like, you got to take the good with the bad and the good far outweighs the bad. It's like, don't get caught up in the things that he can't do. And it's frustrating for me because I, I should say the things that he's not doing, not he can't do. Because I think if Lamar decided like he was going to go all in on doing those little things right, um, he would get into a position where he would be in rare air because the things that he can do with his legs are unlike anything anybody else in the NFL can do. His short area burst, short area quickness, the ability to make guys miss and really put stress on, on the defense is, is unlike anybody else. So he, he's probably one of my favorite players to watch more so than anything because the highs and lows that I experience with him um, are so dramatic. Yeah, last night was interesting that the first two possessions or three possessions were like, I was like scratching my head. I'm like, dude, you just drilled Tyron Matthew in the chest twice and you're throwing a triple coverage. I'm like, what's going on? And then like he makes plays at the end of the game where you're like, nobody else can do this stuff. And it's just like, he's, he finally got to, he finally got over the Mahomes, uh, trying to finally beat his boy. And now it's like kind of even, I think that's one of the, I think it's Mahomes' first ever September loss, which is and first ever September interception, which is so ridiculous to me. <laughs> the fact that that's been three, four years now, and he's finally uh, some, put an L on the board. But um, obviously, a lot of guys kind of struggled yesterday, which was interesting to me in terms of just like week one. I felt like there was a, huge, a lot of huge performances, and a lot of guys' defenses catch up week two a lot of times, and um, they're more ahead. And then obviously, the shorter week, they can game plan. Zach Wilson, obviously, yesterday uh, – not did not play well if we're going to be uh you know 100 honest here like I, I can eviscerate him i know it's his second start i want to give him time what were some of your impressions of kind of of zach maybe week one and, and some of the things he didn't do yesterday that that stood out of why he struggled so heavily obviously against the patriots well i thought i thought week one that the offensive coaching staff did a really good job to to get him some easy completions very early on a lot of play actions, a lot of things that got him outside of the pocket and, and put him in positions to do some things that he does well and, and got some confidence. I, started, I thought he played overall pre pretty well, but that's also when you, like you said, week one, I don't think teams have um, enough information to draw on exactly what you're going to be doing as an offensive staff. And I think that the Patriots do as good a job as anybody of really honing in on what teams are doing on offense. But I think that... Zach just started making some decisions that really left you confused. Like, why, why did you do that? And um, there's an interception on, like, the corner of the sail route. You're like, that, that throw doesn't make any sense. And then he has the – I think it was his fourth interception where it didn't even look like a miscommunication. It's like he just threw the ball up. It was like that throw you saw in pro day, like the same type of movement, and he throws it and – yeah, everyone like, was like, why? he said he's, yeah, he was like, uh, it was a miscommunication. I was like, I I just feel like he kind of just heaved it up on third and 28. And we're like, who cares? Yeah, if it, I mean, third and 28 makes it, you know, it is what it is. Like, you're going to punt the ball anyway. Um, Could have been a miscommunication, but it just looked odd in, in some of the things that were going on. And if you're having miscommunications like that at critical moments, then, then that's an issue as well. So 
Uh, I was like, I'm not off Zach Wilson. I still think he's really, really talented. There's things he can do with his arm, with his arm that is really special. But uh, I, I'm I'm a little nervous um, about what's going on there. And the Jets haven't necessarily done the best job in the past with developing their quarterbacks and putting them in good positions. And I know this is a new coaching staff and whatever, but the people in the leadership positions at the top are still the pe- people uh, with, the, with the franchise. So um, I'm looking forward to them making some changes that allow him to be a little bit more successful. And, and I hope that he can, he can kind of pick it back up. Yeah, I was going to say one, what were some things, I guess, obviously the Army's usually what everyone kind of stamps out. And I felt like watching his, his tape in college, it was a lot of, everyone's got very enamored with the Mahomes, Rogers, Deshaun stuff where he can make plays off platform. But I felt like he was really good in structure too. And I feel like he's kind of the first two games, like because it's re- it's gone well at times when he gets out of off platform, it's like sometimes I wish he would just stay in structure and like it's okay to like take, you know, on first and 10, take six yards. You don't always just have take to take the completion. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I think, yeah, his second, so he was a two year starter, right? And his first year, I didn't think that his first year as a starter, I wasn't really impressed with him at all. Like a lot of the things that he was doing was, um, it just wasn't great. And I think that the second year he was at BYU, I think a lot of the guys there, they put him in a position where the structure of the offense got guys really open. Like right? when you saw it was like they're really open and it wasn't necessarily a lot of tight window throws, a lot of anticipatory things that you want to see as an NFL quarterback. So the real challenge, I think, for him is can he play within structure but do things uh, maybe ahead of his typical schedule? Like get the ball out of his hand when it's third from the ground. Like on those throws that require you to be in rhythm, um, to make those throws, I think that that's going to allow Zach Wilson to really take his game to the next level because – the, the ability to play off platform and off schedule, those, those are things that everybody can't do when he has that ability. But the thing that's going to allow you to be successful day in and day out when you're not an electric athlete like Lamar Jackson, are, it's going to be like, can you get third and seven when we got to take our eyes from one to two and they take away our first read, getting our eyes back to number two and completing that ball on time? Like, if you can't do that, then you're not going to be successful in the NFL. Yeah, it's like I've noticed like when he gets in rhythm and throws outside the numbers on these deep, uh, the deep out routes and a lot of the comebacks and things like that is when he really flashes and you go, okay, this is why he got taken number two. It's, you know, as much as I love a 60 yard, like throwing off your back foot and it's really fun to watch. And I know Kyler's had a couple of huge moments already early in the year, like that stuff you kind of want to limit because it becomes like, that's when the mistakes happen because he made two throws yesterday at the end of the game. You're like, where was this the first three quarters? And it's like, so, you know, if you're going to be a home run hitter, you got to, unfortunately, you don't want to have a guy striking out all the time. That's in football, especially with a young team like the uh, like the Jets are. They have a couple other guys. I was kind of just want to get your quick take on. Elijah Moore is a guy that's been talked about a ton. He's gotten a ton of hype. He's got the the Odell LeBron, uh, you know, hype train going on Instagram and stuff like that. He, he showed some really big flashes yesterday and obviously during camp. What was your take watching Elijah Moore in, uh, in college and how successful do you think? Like, what's his ceiling look like in the NFL? I think he can be truly electric, right? There's just things he can do with the football that there's not a lot of other guys can do. I think we, we saw that throughout his college career. And I just remember watching him play in college and then trying to get the ball to him in space and him going absolutely wild. And I'm like, all right, he's going to be um, – someone who can do a lot of things and it's not like he was doing it in like a random conference like he was out there dominating um, in one of the toughest conferences in college football and it's not like this team was 
was filled with other top prospects. It was him, and he was out there doing it because he can do things after the catch and really be electric, and he can also run routes like an elite receiver. And, and that's what really separates the guys at the upper echelon of the wide receiver position from everybody else is, like, can you do it both with the football in your hands, and can you also separate from people in a, in a way that allows your quarterback to get you the football? And um, I think we saw that at Ole Miss, and I think that we're going to see him continue to do those things with the Jets because he does have something you can push the ball down the field and um, really stress the defense out. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of – like a couple of the rookie quarterbacks, obviously, if most everyone's played so far of the first-round guys, but, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence has had his struggles as well. Do you think a lot of like what Trevor Lawrence is going to go through is going to be based on the organization? Because I feel like everything he does should, you know, he's obviously it was the generational guy and, I, you know, all those things and, and whatnot, but he's, he's thrown five interceptions already early and it feels like um, he's made some big throws, but also that organization, as much as the Jets have struggled, it kind of feels like they're in a really weird, Jacksonville's an even weirder place where like there's not any proven NFL guys. It's a lot of the college stuff. Are you concerned at all with the Jacksonville situation? Or do you think Lawrence has the talent to just be able to overcome that? Because it was pretty easy for him at Clemson, if we're being honest. Like they didn't, they didn't get challenged quite a bit, like very much, except for those two semifinal games. And title yeah. game, I guess. He was rolling with the, the Roman army when he was at Clemson. He's not necessarily doing that anymore. He does not have a lot of things at the skill positions outside that's going to really help him out. And it's, and I, 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 and much like the things that the Jets did in week one, where they did a lot of things that made, made some easy completions, I, I don't see those from Jacksonville Jaguars. And as talented as Trevor is, it's not an easy position for anybody to play. Um, and they're going to have to start doing some things or finding some ways for him to get some easy completions and get rolling because. If you're putting it on him to carry an NFL franchise at, what, 22 years old um, and not a whole heap of experience to, to really draw on, he's going to have a very hard time. Like, I've seen – like, I got to watch last year with Deshaun Watson um, playing for the Texans, and he had a very – I was just going to bring this up. <laughs> it, it had, like, one of the worst receiving crew, and he was he was doing really well with, with a, a ragtag group of guys, but that's somebody who had – three years of playing experience in the NFL and like there's things that he like he knew it was coming he knew how he can make some plays and he knew how to get guys open Trevor doesn't have that and it's not even a talent issue it's just like he doesn't have anything to draw back on because he hasn't experienced a lot of things that he's going through so ask him to carry a football team throwing the ball 40 plus times is not going to be a recipe for success and it gets really hard in the NFL, especially in today's generation where everybody wants it right now. They want their rookie quarterback to be good week one, week two. And that's just not uh, – it's not going to happen. That's the reason we saw Mahomes sit out for a whole year. Um, everybody's not prepared to go in week one and, and change a, a football team. So I hope that people treat Trevor with a level of, like, grace and give him the opportunity to kind of work through these growing pains and let him struggle. Um, and not beat him up about it because that's that's necessary in terms of his development because we know he's really talented and I hope he gets the opportunity to show everybody how talented he is. Yeah, I was just going to bring up like Deshaun. I'm not sure he could have played any better. Maybe there's some plays last year, but like they still won four and 12 because it's a team sport. And if you're not surrounded with elite level coaching and, and talent, like it's just really, really difficult to win this league, no matter how talented, how good you play the quarterback position. Before we get to two of your guys, obviously, because I want to talk about, you know, Justin Jones obviously got a ton of time yesterday and, and Trey Lance. Max Jones has been kind of gotten a lot of hype 
for not doing all that much so far. And it's, I'm not sure if it's just the Patriots thing and it's people wanting to have the Tom Brady thing recreated. I'm sure that's a huge portion of it. I know Doug Codd mentioned this on the podcast yesterday or a couple of days ago for those who listen that, you know, he's, he's like can do some things Tom couldn't do in the offense, which I know that some of that is true, but yesterday, you know, he had less yards than Zach Wilson did. Zach Wilson couldn't have played any worse and threw the ball. Just, it was just felt like, I don't, I'm not saying it just feels like they're not letting him do very much. So there's not a lot of room for error. And I don't, I know that's, I don't know. I'm not sure that that deserves the amount of hype that maybe some of the throws Trevor, Zach, Justin or Trey could make that, you know, I guess that's why he went five out of five of the first round guys. So it's frustrating to me to evaluate. Yeah. I I think that when you win, when you're winning games, it gets a little bit easier. Like people are like, Oh, they're, they're, they're one and one. They should have be two and oh, but. QB wins. What a stat. Yeah, yeah, he's just managing the game. Like, if, if you want to look up managing the game in the dictionary, then uh, match picture is going to come up. He's not doing anything special. Like, if he continues to play like this, I don't think anybody can be that excited, right? We, we saw him do some things in the preseason. We all know that the preseason is a lot easier to be successful. You know exactly what's coming from the defense. You're never tricked. You, you feel okay about what's going on, and I think um, Mac did as, as well as you could have expected for him to do in the preseason. And I, now I just think that um, Belichick is really, really good at putting guys in situations to win. And I think that they're like, hey, this Jets offense is not going to beat us. Let's make sure Mac is aware of the situation. Let's just get him completions and do what we need to do to win, win the game. And, and his stats weren't pretty. They were pretty blah, right? Like it's just like pretty pedestrian. I get sometimes confused why talking heads or the media gets so excited about the things that he's doing. We saw some cool stuff in the preseason. We haven't seen enough during the regular season to really get excited about. So I think we want to see it play out. Mac's going to be a really good quarterback. He's going to go through his progressions. He's going to go through his reads. But if we're asking him to win us a game right now, we're probably going to lose. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just interesting you watch and you listen to the different the narratives and stuff. And I know that's how he's how it's going to play out. And, um, you know, from the Jets background, obviously, any negative Jets stuff is going to is always going to, you know, sell and, and any positive Patriots stuff, you know, sells as well. Want to get to, you know, obviously, Justin Fields, obviously, no one wants to see Andy Dalton get hurt. But I think we kind of know who Andy Dalton is at this point in his career. Um, and I, I know I'm of the mindset. I'm not just saying this because you're on here, but I don't get not having Justin Fields start. I just think that the locker room knows, like, as a, I, I played throughout college, you know when you have, like, a chance to win because the quarterback, and if you don't feel that way, it's super frustrating. Um, have Whatever your kind of impressions been throughout, you know, of Justin throughout the preseason, and obviously yesterday I got to get, you know, a whole half in, and obviously we'll see what happens this week. I don't know Andy Dalton's injury status, but um, I think Justin Fields can do a lot of special stuff, and I'm very excited to watch this play out. Hopefully – we have to see it this week in a starting capacity. What has, you know, your impression of Justin been so far? I was really impressed with him throughout the preseason because I thought, uh, I think he just shows a, an element that there's not many other quarterbacks that have, right? He, he's literally the most athletic person on the field when he's out there. And that gives you opportunity to just do some things that you can't do with a lot of other quarterbacks, especially can't do with Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton is a terrific game manager. I don't think that the Chicago Bears win a bunch of games with somebody just managing the game. Um, but we also saw Justin out there yesterday, and he didn't play great, right? Like, he looked like a rookie who was trying to figure things out. And the same things I'll say about Trevor and Zach and every other quarterback, is like, his game is not easy at the highest level. 
right? There's things that people are doing that make it very, very tricky. And to us, like fans or people who are cutting the game on, we're just like, why didn't he do? Well, he's definitely trying, and I think that he's going to get better. But he needs, he needs the reps to get better. So whether he's getting those things in practice or in the game, however they come, he needs those reps to continue to improve. And I. I don't necessarily love when when rookie quarterbacks are out there to start the season. Like, I know a lot of people want to see them play right now. I'm okay with Justin sitting for a little bit and really um, getting a true understanding of exactly what they're doing. And then when he gets his opportunity to go out there and be successful, he really can be. And I hope that that coaching staff is one that can put him in a position to be successful because we haven't necessarily seen great things in the way that they've developed quarterbacks. Um, And maybe it was like a Mitch thing or maybe it was a coaching staff thing. But I, I want Justin to go out there and be successful as soon as he gets on the field. So if that's in week three and he feels really good about where they're at and he can go complete passes at a high level um, and then be able to splash his athleticism, that's great. But I don't ever want to see another situation again where he's got a free rusher and he's not changing the protection and he can't slide it to the right side and protect himself, right? So those things are all important to me, protecting yourself, winning football games, and then being able to show the sizzle um, that he has because he he's able to do some special things at the quarterback position. Yeah, it's interesting. Like when that that play happened in the Buffalo preseason game, everyone's like, "Oh, the Bears the line sucks." And I was like, "Take a step back." Justin Fields would be the first person to be like, "I need to communicate better on that." Everyone needs to communicate better so that stuff doesn't happen because it happened to the Jets last week too. It happens to these rookie quarterbacks. People throw crazy blitzes at you that you have, you're not going to see, and like offenses are different and all these different things. It's just interesting sometimes. It's like if you. You don't understand the quarterback position. You just instantly blame the offensive line for every single sack and every single big hit. Right. And I don't think people are are mindful enough that somebody's getting a 10, 10 play, a 10 word play call, right? That they got to communicate with 10 other guys, make sure they understand that. Make sure that we got the cadence right, make sure the protection's right, and make sure that you know what you're doing on, on a read. And then after all those things, you still got to be like, all right, let me reconfirm. Where is my mic? All right, where do I need to turn this protection to? There's there's so many things that we're asking quarterbacks to do each and every play. That it's a bear, especially when you're coming from a system where you didn't necessarily have to call a bunch of plays in college. So he's learning the operation. There's a lot of things for him to go through. And, and I guarantee you one thing, that he's not going to make that mistake again, right? And he felt it, right, in terms of getting hit. And he also felt like, oh, this is how the media treats you when, when something like this happens. And I know he wants to protect his guys. And make sure people aren't looking at him like looking at them like they're they're doing him a disservice when he knows that there's things that he could do better better as well. And I think Justin's probably one of the most mature guys that I've had the opportunity to be around in, in terms of taking accountability. I think that he's going to do that. Yeah, it's an, I, I've been pretty impressed with all the maturity, honestly, of all the the five first round guys and just the way they they handle the media so far. And they've all gone ahead ups and downs. Trey Lance is another guy who I think is is super interesting to kind of. I guess people are evaluating that at college and then what we've seen so far, you like seen some, just like the first, the first touch on the preseason, you're like, Whoa, it kind of splashes. And I obviously you see this more than, but you like splash. And then there's other plays where you're like the 99 mile an hour fastball, maybe could be like 93, 94 and you can back it down. But what, you know, throughout the preseason, obviously he's with one of the best offensive coordinators, you know, head coach combo, whatever, however you want to describe Kyle Shanahan um, in terms of, you know, his knowledge and things like that things like that. How excited are you for, you know, for him from the perspective of being an organization that, you know, has, has been pretty successful all the time and has got a really, you know, strong head coach. Trey's a guy that kind of stands out to me as like the natural gifts or 
exceptional. So how's that kind of uh, that process going for him in San Francisco? I think it's going really well. And he, he's something like, I think they, whoever would have went to the 49ers was going to go to the perfect system for them, right? Because Kyle Shanahan was going to do a great job in terms of uh, creating an offense that fits their talents and abilities. Uh, but I, I'm so excited for him to get the opportunity to play there. And I think that we saw a lot of different things during the preseason. I think we saw him do really well at some things. And I think we saw him like, all right, maybe I can do this a little bit better. But Trey just has not had the opportunity to take a ton of snaps. Like just in general, right? It was 16 games for him that freshman year because they they made it so far in the playoffs. But it's, it's not a, a ton of snaps that he's had. So I'm excited for him just to get the ability to play more football, learn the game a little bit better, and then he's going to get a better feel of things. Like how, when do I layer this ball, right? When do I not need to 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 mash the gas? And then when you need to mash the gas to make a throw into a tight window, he still has that ability. But I'd rather him do the work early on in terms of getting his eyes in the right spot so he can throw the ball earlier and not have to like heave it and, and really make those crazy throws. But he still has the ability to make up for some things with his arm. And I'm, I'm excited about it. And we saw him, that big touchdown that he had um, in the preseason where he, he passed up on a deep over, which was open at 18 to 22 yards and put his foot in the ground, um, came back to the deep post across the field. Like, that's a big play. Like, those are the things that are going to build confidence. And those are the things that I think other quarterbacks aren't necessarily doing in their rookie season. It's going to let you know, like, Trey's going to be ready when his time is called on. Um, I, I don't imagine that they're going to call him to be the starter as long as Jimmy G is healthy. But Jimmy G has not had the greatest um, track record in terms of injuries. So he needs to be ready because that team has Super Bowl um, aspirations and they can get there if he's doing the right things when he steps in. Yeah, I was going to say he's somebody that I know you've mentioned this kind of earlier in the pod just about no, not all rookies need to play right away just based on like the amount of snaps. I, I don't know. I can't remember. I think Bucky Brooks might have brought this up or Daniel Jeremiah. I can't remember who said, but they, there's that 10,000 snap uh, or 10,000 throw like thing they like to talk about college quarterbacks and or snaps. How many can you know, how many snaps can you get in the experience like that stuff does not hurt guys um, ever. And obviously, if you're learning behind a guy who's taking a team to a Super Bowl and a coach that's been to Super Bowls, like that's pretty, that's pretty awesome to be able to be able to be around that. Um, want to get one more quick, more one more quick NFL quarterback in this. Want to get your impression a little bit on some of the college guys, and then uh, before we wrap, obviously the Aaron Rodgers stuff is like very interesting to me, just because like that could not have gone worse week one. But you know he could come out tonight and throw for six touchdowns and five hundred yards, and nobody's gonna say anything. Do you feel like that's how difficult do you think that's gonna be for that locker room when you like MVP? He's been there his whole life, but the offseason was a mess, and then to come back and to get blown out week one and like. The Saints didn't look very good yesterday. So I don't know. Is it just a matter of, you know, coming back today, they win and it's all kind of under the rug? Or is there bigger issues, you think? I mean, I think the issues are the issues. Like, we, we see that there was a, a level of frustration. I think it's really – it's a lot harder with, than people think with, like, star NFL quarterbacks. And when their relationship is frayed with the ownership and management, it's a lot, it's a lot more difficult than I think a lot of people – are aware of and um, you, you got to be really, really mindful of those guys because those guys have, there's a level of ego that you have to have in order to be one of the best in the world at one of the things that every young man in the country want to be the best in the world at. There's nobody who did not want to be a star NFL quarterback, right? So these guys are the best of the best 
at the most elite position in the world. And that takes a level of confidence, belief in yourself, um, and knowledge that you are the best in order to get to where they are. Then those guys need to be treated a little bit different. Aaron Rodgers was not treated different. And then it creates uh, issues that just cascade down. It's not just that he has these issues with ownership. It's that he wasn't there this offseason. He wasn't throwing with his guys. There's a level of um, connectivity that they don't have because there was opportunities for them to spend together where they could be working on things that were going to allow them to be um, successful at. They just aren't there. They just don't have those reps. And I know people are going to be like, yeah, but they played together last year. Well, people are ever evolving. They don't have those opportunities in the middle of June where they're like, hey, all right, this year we're seeing a lot more too high looks from the defense. When we get this and this cornerback, I mean, when this safety's looking up number three, now this is where number two is going to become the yeah, – like those little detailed conversations, those nuances that teams have um, and the ability to draw back on things like that we've worked on this offseason, they don't have that. So yeah, they might. I don't. I don't necessarily see them flipping the switch tonight, but throughout the season, I think they're going to continue to get better. And they'll be able to correct things. But it's also difficult when you know the leader of the team or the guy who's supposed to be the leader isn't necessarily all in, right? He's like, all right, I'm in this year, but you guys know he's ready to get out of there. So they got a lot of moving parts that they're going to have to deal with, and I, I think that um, if anybody's going to be able to figure it out. It should be uh, Aaron Rodgers because he's he's that talented, but it it's gonna be be some work for that organization. I was hoping mid game he would just cut off the man bun and go back to being Superman <laughs> or something crazy like that. Um, Want to just quickly ask you? Obviously, we're three weeks in the college season, four weeks, I guess, really, and there's been some a lot of the top guys kind of have had their ups and downs as naturally. I feel like everybody has kind of had, like we kind of mentioned. Um, is there anybody, any of the quarterbacks? I mean, I got my boy Jackson Dark got his first uh, his first game action this weekend, which was exciting. Probably the coolest quarterback name I've ever heard. But um, is there any college quarterbacks that, um, whether it's one of your guys or, um, you know, just somebody that's has stood out to you, you're like, they really impressed me a lot, which I thought, or like they caught me off guard the first four weeks. I'm really like liking what I'm seeing from one of these guys. Guy who's not my guy, Matt Corral, is really like impressive. I was going to say, I assume yeah. that's who you're going to go. <laughs> Matt, Matt Corral has impressed me with his leadership and his maturity because when he was coming out of high school, I didn't necessarily see him like that. But I I really feel like he's taken some steps as both as a quarterback and as a leader and as a young man. It's going to allow him to not only be really good for the rest of the season, but get himself an opportunity to get drafted really early in this upcoming NFL draft. I would talk about Malik Willis, but I think people know how big of a fan I am of Malik. And I think he is the most physically gifted guy at the quarterback position uh, coming up to this upcoming class. And then I'm really happy for Anthony Brown at Oregon because I think that he's done a lot of really good things. He's probably had to deal with more drops than most other guys, but you watch that game against Ohio State, and you're like, oh, this this guy can really play quarterback at a high level. So those are three guys I've really been impressed with. And then I'll talk about Sean Clifford at Penn State. What he put together um, against Auburn that second half, 12 of 12, just dominating, like not not necessarily like physically blowing you away, but from a mental aspect, getting the completions right, throwing on time, throwing into blitzes, throwing into pressures. So like at that age, at the, at the college age, like he he did some things that a lot of other guys weren't doing, and, and I was impressed to see it. Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, I was thinking him and Bo Nix games kind of uh, 
<laughs> cross a little bit there are some throws someone <laughs> tweeted out that Bo Nix looked like he was playing a game of uh of like horse trying to fit throws and it just <laughs> didn't really uh didn't make a whole lot of sense I, you don't have to answer this but last question here do we see Deshaun on a football field I know it won't be in Houston this week I mean this year obviously that's pretty abundantly clear but do we see him play football in 2021 because I feel like it sucks to not watch the a top five guy and at 24 years old playing whatever he's 25 playing Man, you know a season that's a great question I, I as soon as you know the answer then I'll know the answer so we'll see <laughs> all right that's that's a fair that, that, that's fair but uh no I uh, I appreciate you obviously hopping on um you know make sure you know Quincy's Twitter is obviously exciting but some of the, you know a lot of the quarterback work he's doing uh the quarterback takeover stuff um you know all the all the links and all the stuff is in his Twitter and social profiles you want to take a look and, and check that out there's a quite a bit of talented uh, quarterbacks that he's uh, tutoring. So um, if you don't know the name already, I'm, I'm not sure why, but you'll, you'll, you'll know soon enough. Well, appreciate you having me on. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, right. guys, we'll uh, take care.